Good morning. Our sermon text this morning is Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. This is the word of the true and living God. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, just as in all the world also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Let's pray. Father God, I pray, Lord, that you will bless the words of this message. Father, that you will use the truth here to Speak to your people, grow the faith of your people, uh, draw them closer to yourself, and reveal more of yourself to them, Lord, to us. Father, we uh, love you and we thank you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, uh, we're continuing on in our study in Colossians this morning. And we'll be looking again at Colossians chapter 1, verse 1. Last week, we spent our time focusing on the first word of this verse, which is Paul. We talked about Paul and the events of his life and about just uh, how his letter to the Colossians fit into his ministry and, and into the rest of the Bible. Uh, this morning, I'd like to try to work through the rest of this verse. And I'm going to do this by breaking it down into three parts and focusing on them individually. So, first, we'll look at an apostle of Jesus Christ. Then, we'll look at by the will of God. And lastly, we'll focus on and Timothy, our brother. All right, you ready? Okay, let's go. Uh, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So, Paul opens this letter by introducing himself as he does in all of his letters. Right? It makes sense. Right? It's, a, it's a good way to start a letter. So the letters, uh, the letters of Paul recorded in the New Testament always contain, uh, within the greeting, a, a from first and then a to. It's always a from to. From Paul to the saints at Rome. From Paul to the church at Philippi. From Paul to Timothy. Uh, and you might notice that this formula is is backwards from the way that we West, Westerners typically write letters. Right? When we write letters, we usually include the to at the beginning of the letter and the from at the end, like to, to whom it may concern, 
Um, and then, then write the letter and then signed Jeremy, right? But Paul, in his letters, follows a common format in Greek letter writing, which usually, usually included the from to as a part of the greeting, followed by some expression of well-wishing, right? Which for Paul was often something like uh, grace and peace to you, which is what we see in this letter. So the formula that Paul uses in the greeting section of all of his letters is always some variation of this. And in almost all of his letters, he includes a description of himself that's similar to what we see here. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So I want to take the time here to, uh, to establish some truths about the New Testament concept of apostleship. Um, both to be sure that, that, that everyone has some basic understanding of this very important aspect of Scripture, and, and also to show why Paul includes this description in his letters. Why does he feel the need uh, to press the fact that he's an apostle in his letters? Um, what was his purpose in mentioning his apostleship? So the word apostle, or apostolos in Greek, uh, actually carries with it or can carry several uh, different connotations. Um, so it, it, it means to be sent out, sent out. And it's actually a, a word that the Greeks sometimes would use to describe like an expedition um, when a, a military unit or a fleet of ships is, is sent out on a particular mission on some specific endeavor. Um, and that picture actually illustrates the, the basic idea of apostolos as it's used in the Bible. Right? It, it means one who is sent out. And it can also, another connotation it carries with it, is it can mean a messenger. Right? So in the scriptural context, these two, uh, these two connotations come together, and they both describe what it means to be an apostle. Right? So both these different aspects of what apostolos can mean are both included in uh, the biblical definition of an apostle. So an apostle in the Bible is one who has been sent out to carry a message. And usually when scripture speaks of it, uh, not always actually, but usually when scripture uh, speaks of it, it refers to men who have been sent out by Christ to carry his message to others. So an apostle is one who's sent out by Christ on a mission. Um, I want to pause here, actually, and, and, and make a point, because something may have occurred to some of you when I said that. Uh, if an apostle is one who is sent out to proclaim the message of Christ, which we should assume is the message of the gospel, wouldn't it be fair to say uh, that in some way all Christians are meant to act as apostles? Um. Actually, I, I think so. I think so. Uh, but this is only true in a very, very simple and general sense. Right? We, we, we are, as Christians, we're all responsible to act as ambassadors uh, and messengers for Christ in this world. And that's actually that's a great way to think of an apostle as an ambassador, right? As a, a servant who represents his king. Um, Jesus said that we're to be salt and light to the world and that we are never meant to or that we're never ashamed to speak of him before men. 
Uh, Peter says that God made us his own so that we may proclaim his excellencies. And Peter also says that we are always to be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have in Christ. So as we go out, as we bear witness to the truth of the gospel and the grace of God, we, we are acting as his messengers, right? Which makes us all apostles. Again, in a very simplistic way of looking at it. Uh, but, but, big, big but here. Just because this may technically be true, according to the, the strict definition, it would certainly be unhelpful if we all started going around claiming to be apostles and identifying ourselves as such. And the reason for that is because Scripture doesn't ever actually use the term in that way. Um, instead, Scripture speaks of apostleship in a way that makes it clear that there is much, much more to being an apostle than, than that very uh, general application we just talked about. Right? Um, did you know that Jesus himself was called an apostle? Uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1 says, Therefore, holy brethren, uh, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Right, so Jesus is called an apostle here because Jesus himself was sent out, sent by God uh, on a mission to save his people from their sins and to carry a message, right? Which was the message of the kingdom. And Christ came forth as an apostle uh, with authority, with authority. And when we see the men that scripture names as apostles, we see that they were men who were chosen and set apart and sent out by Christ with the authority to speak for him and act as his ambassadors to his people. Uh, just as Christ was sent out from the Godhead, so the apostles were sent out by Christ. Right? This, this is who the apostles were in Scripture. And these men actually spoke with the authority of Christ. Just as Christ came in the authority of God. Um, now, uh, the apostles were, were to go forth uh, in the uh, authority of Christ again. And, uh, well, Actually, uh, I have to say, there are, when we start talking about apostles in the Bible, there are some difficult questions that come up. And um, I won't be addressing any of those here. Right, I, I really, really struggled with trying to wrap my brain around it uh, in preparation for this. And I have to confess that there's just a lot about it that I don't understand and I think there's a good bit that the scriptures don't exactly make clear. Um, and I, actually, I had originally, when I was thinking about uh, what I was going to speak on this morning, um, I had originally actually uh, considered doing a deep dive into apostleship. And I even kind of got started on it, but uh, I realized it, it was just, it was going to be too much. It was going to be too much. Um, so I'm actually going to just try to keep it simple here and uh, just hit the, the main things that we need to understand when it comes to biblical apostles, apostleship. And those are actually uh, things that I've mentioned already, right? That 
the main things we need to understand is that they were men who were specifically chosen and sent out by Christ on a certain mission, and uh, that they were men who spoke and judged with the authority of Christ. Right? When we're thinking of apostles, those are the, the things we need to remember. They spoke and judged with the authority of Christ, and they were sent out by Christ for a specific purpose. So uh, let's look at some examples of these things. In Luke chapter 6, we have Luke's account uh, of, of Christ choosing and calling the 12 apostles. Right? Christ had just spent the night alone on a hilltop praying. And uh, in verse 13, we read, And when day came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also named as apostles. Right, so it's important to see here that these apostles were specifically chosen. Um, he didn't ask for volunteers. They were specifically chosen and called from out of all of the rest of the followers of Christ. It says he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them to be apostles. So understand that apostle and disciple uh, mean two completely different things, right? They're not the same. Disciple means a follower or a student of a teacher. Uh, so all of the apostles were disciples, but not all of the disciples were apostles. Does that make sense? Um, so the 12 apostles were chosen and called by Christ. And a few chapters later in Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, we read, And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. Now, uh, we're, we're not going to get into healing and demons today. I know, I know. Sorry. Um, I would love actually to talk with anyone privately about any of those things, but we're, we're, we can't go there right now. Uh, so let's focus on what the rest of this passage says. Christ gave his apostles power and authority, and he sent them out to do his work. And after his resurrection, uh, after his crucifixion, he was raised from the dead, and he appears to them uh, just before he ascends to heaven, he sends them out again. He gives them a mission. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Now, this is the, the chapter of Scripture that is, or the passage of Scripture that is uh, widely known as the Great Commission, right? The Great Co-Mission, okay? Jesus says, all authority has been given to me, both in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, and I will be with you to the end of the age. I will be with you. Right? It's by Christ's authority that they are to go and baptize and teach and disciple the nations. Right? And th th this is actually part of what he means when he says that he'll be with them. Right? These, these two things go together. He says, I have all authority. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So, uh, considering that, knowing that, you should go. 
He's telling them, go in my authority. And then when he says, and I'll be with you to the end of the age, uh, part of what he means by that is not just that I'll never abandon you. It's that my authority will be with you until the end of the age. Right? You will go with my authority to do these things until the end of the age. Right? He'll be with them in his authority and in his power. Okay, so we're talking about the Great Commission. So again, some of you may be thinking uh, now that, you know, well, that's, that's for us too, isn't it? Right? The Great Commission. Isn't that also a, a command and a promise to us? And, and not just the apostles? Well, yes, it is. And also, no. Okay? And I'm going to explain that. Here's what I mean. Um, Jesus is speaking here uh, to the, uh, the 11 disciples, right? He commanded uh, the, 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 it's the 12 minus Judas. Um, and that's what he, he commanded them to go and teach others to obey all that he had commanded them, right? He commanded them to go and teach others to obey all that he had commanded them. Um, you see what I'm getting at here? Right. The, the, the 12 apostles were commanded to go and teach others to obey the Great Commission. This commission is one of the commands that Christ gave the apostles that the apostles were to teach others to obey. Okay? Um, they were given the authority to bear the message and the teachings of Christ to others. But, right? But even though we have a responsibility to do what they did, um, that doesn't mean that those that they taught to go and obey the Great Commission actually gained the same authority, the same level of authority that the Twelve had. Okay? The commandment was passed down to us through them, but not necessarily the authority that they had. Okay? So I'm going to explain that as I go to. Um, I know that maybe that was a little confusing, but uh, hopefully you'll see. So um, we see clearly in Scripture that the 12, these 12 we were talking to, uh, were seen by the early church to be gifted to judge and to instruct with the authority of Christ. Right? The, the 12 apostles were seen by the early church as speaking and judging for Christ. And this differentiated them from all the other believers. But not just any believer had the authority to function in that way. There was a clear distinction between uh, the, the way that the apostles acted and taught and judged and the way any other believer did. Right? The idea of a certain authority over the, of the apostles over the church is found actually in numerous passages of Scripture. Um, in, in Acts chapter 15, uh, we have an example. We, we read a letter that was sent from the apostles in Jerusalem to all of the brethren in the Gentile churches. Right? These, these churches had been troubled by men who were teaching uh, that to be Christians, people needed to first be circumcised and to obey this, the ceremonial laws, the dietary laws of the Old Covenant. And so uh, a council was convened in Jerusalem to address this problem. And at that council, a judgment was made by the apostles and agreed upon by the church leaders there. And then they, they sent this judgment back to the, to the brethren in a letter. And in this letter, 
In Acts chapter 15, verses 28 and 29, we read, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials, that you abstain from things sacrificed to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication. If you keep yourselves free from such things, you will do well. Farewell. Uh, so, the judgment of the apostles in this matter is seen to also be the judgment of the Holy Spirit. Right? They, they were one and the same. Right? Because it is God himself who gave the apostles the authority and wisdom by his spirit to make such decisions and such judgments. Right? This was not left up to just any believer. Um, Paul also speaks of apostolic authority in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 8, where he says, For even if I boast somewhat further about our authority, right, our authority, the authority of the apostles, um, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be put to shame. So Christ gave the apostles a certain kind of authority, and he gave it to them so that they might lay the foundation for the church, okay? Uh, the foundation for the church, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone of that foundation built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So this was their job. This was what Christ chose them and sent them out to do. Um, when he commanded them to go and make disciples and to teach, this is what that was about. Right? This was their job, to build the foundation. And the authority that he gave the apostles to accomplish this mission is different than the authority that we have. Right as believers, to go and teach and make disciples. Um, here's the key. We have authority to speak and teach only, only insofar as we are teaching what the apostles taught. That's it. Just as they only had authority because they were given it by Christ to speak and teach his truth, Christ gave the apostles the power and authority to take his truth and teach it in such a way as to make it solid and, and stable for everyone who would believe in him through their word. From the time that they began, they laid this foundation to create this solid and stable platform that every Christian for the rest of time would have to stand on and to work off of and to, and to, and to look to for true doctrine and practice, right? The, the apostles built that. Um, and again, I said, uh, they did it for everyone who would believe in him through their word. Uh, do you remember uh, in Jesus's, uh, it's, it's normally referred to as his high priestly prayer in John 17. Um, I think it's John, it's John 17, 20. And he's praying for these apostles. And he says, uh, to the Father, he says, I don't ask for their sake alone, but for everyone who believes in me through 
their word. Through their word. Right? It was through the word of the apostles that Christ would call and instruct his church. What the apostles spoke about Christ was true because they spoke exactly what Christ told them to speak. And we can only speak truth, speak the truth of Christ, if we speak exactly what the apostles taught us in this word, in the Bible. So it, it's, it's like a chain of command in, in the military. Right? Carrying the orders of a superior officer does not give us a level of authority equal to that officer. Um, but what we carry, the thing that we carry, the message we carry, is at that level. It does hold that authority because it's the word of the one who has that authority. Do you understand? Um, the point I'm trying to make here is that the apostles were a group of people chosen and given authority to perform a specific task, and that task was to establish the church on the truth of Christ in a way that would preserve that truth for all of the generations of Christians to follow. And they did that by teaching and writing uh, things that got the earliest church set up and on the right path. Acts 2.42 says that the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So um, this teaching was recorded in writing. The work the apostles did is what gave us this, or our New Testament. Right? That's what the apostles came to do. And once they had fulfilled this purpose, once their job was done, once the foundation had been laid, uh, and, and when all of these apostles, all of these men had passed on to glory, the office of apostle was finished. It's finished. The accomplished for which God created it and ordained men to it has been fulfilled. Uh, the, the foundation has been laid and it only needs to be laid once. That's it. There are no more apostles. Um, as Jude says, the faith has been once for all delivered to the saints. Once and for all. And it was delivered by the apostles of Christ. So, <clears throat> I know I said I was going to try to make that simple. Um, I, I hope, I hope, and that was, that was clear to everyone, but I want to get back um, to Colossians 1.1. 1, 1. How does this fit in with what we're talking about? Uh, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul identifies himself here. He makes a point to identify himself as one of these apostles, as one of the men that we just described. Um, he isn't one of the 12, but he's just as much an apostle as they are. And his word carries the same authority and the same weight as theirs does. So what, what he's doing, what Paul's doing by identifying himself in this way in his letters is he's reminding his readers of the authority that he has in Christ, right? To establish true doctrine and practice. So he's saying, he's saying, uh, hey, Colossians, you need to listen to me. I speak for our Lord. I speak for Christ. 
uh, he, Paul writes to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 10. <clears throat> he says, For this reason I am writing these things while absent, so that when present I need not use severity in accordance with the authority which the Lord gave me for building up and not for tearing down. So Christ had given Paul authority over his church, and Paul found it useful uh, in his letters to remind his readers of this authority. And more than any other apostle, Paul may have needed, he may have needed to do this in order to be taken seriously. Right? Numerous times in his letters, we find him defending his apostleship because there were apparently many attacks against it. Right? The, the 12, the 12 apostles had the privilege of being known to have accompanied Christ in his earthly ministry. Everybody knew who they were. Everybody knew that they were with Christ when Christ was uh, walking the streets of Jerusalem. They were the first leaders of the church. All the believers in the churches in and around Judea would have known and trusted their authority. But Paul, Paul had previously been a, a, a vicious enemy of the church, as we saw last week, right? Paul, Paul didn't follow Christ during his earthly ministry. He didn't pray with the disciples in the upper room. Uh, he wasn't there baptizing believers at Pentecost with the other 12. He was busy hunting down uh, Christians and hauling them off to await execution. Paul had to earn trust in a way that the other apostles didn't. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9, uh, after, after recounting Christ's post-resurrection appearances to his apostles, right, he says he, he, he first appeared to Peter, then to the 12, and then he goes on, then to 500 others. And then Paul mentions here, he says, uh, last of all, Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Christ appeared also to Paul on the road to Damascus. And then in verse 9, Paul says, For I am the least of the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. The reality and the consequences um, of, of, of who he was before his, uh, his great conversion always haunted Paul. Right? In, in his mind, he was the chief of sinners, the chief of sinners, the worst one to ever walk the earth. But uh, nevertheless, nevertheless, Paul understood his responsibility he knew, he knew that even though he had to work harder for acceptance, he still held the same responsibility in the same office as the others. Even though maybe he felt his unworthiness in a deeper way than the other 12. Um, having, having these obstacles stacked against him, to him it, it was not an excuse to not live out his calling in Christ. In the next verse, verse 10, 1 Corinthians 15, 10, he says, But 
But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them, than all of the others. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. By the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm the least of all the apostles, but by God's grace, I worked harder than all of them. And then in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, um, verse 5, uh, Paul makes it plain uh, that he considers himself not in the least inferior to the most eminent apostles. Right, so even though Paul recognized his unworthiness, he also recognized he's still got a job to do. Even though he knows it's going to be harder for him, he's, he's dedicated to doing it. So he's, he's just as much an apostle as the others. Um, and he feels the need to defend this and to, to constantly assert it in his letters. And it's not because he wants the credit that comes with being an apostle or the recognition. It's because he understands that he has been given this authority to minister the word of God and to lay the foundation of the church. And that it, it, because of this, it is crucial, crucial to the life of the church that he be heard and respected and believed. So let's 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 move uh, from here to our next section of focus to uh, part two of this uh, this next section of focus in Colossians one one. <clears throat> we have Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. By the will of God. So this phrase is. It's sort of just another part of what we've been talking about. It's another part of Paul's, uh, his exhortation to the Colossians that they need to listen to him. They need to heed his message, right? Paul didn't declare himself uh, an apostle, right? He didn't just wake up one morning after a, a long, hard week of persecuting Christians and, and decide, you know, you know what? I think I'll become an apostle. Um. We've seen it doesn't work like that. In a way, by saying this, an apostle by the will of God, Paul's just repeating himself. Right When he says that he's an apostle by the will of God, these two things automatically go together. Right? There's no such thing as an apostle who is not one by the will of God, an apostle who has not been called by God and specifically chosen and equipped to be, a, uh, to be sent out as his ambassador. Just as Christ chose the twelve out from all of his other disciples and, and called them apostles, so he also chose Paul intentionally, specifically. Uh, last week, we read the account of Paul's conversion from Acts chapter 9. Uh, you remember what God said there, what God told Ananias uh, when, when he was telling Ananias to go to Paul, even though Ananias was afraid? Uh, in, in verse 15 of Acts chapter 9, the Lord tells Ananias, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine, a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. A chosen 
instrument. That's what all the apostles were. Chosen by God and equipped to serve Him. Used by Him to accomplish His purposes. Right? And, and that's what we all are. That's true of all of us. Uh, in Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, Paul writes that God had set him apart from his mother's womb and called him through his grace to preach and be a witness for him to the Gentiles. And, and we're all, we're all set apart uh, from our mother's womb for a purpose. All right, the purposes vary. Our purpose isn't the same as Paul's. Uh, my purpose is different from yours, and yours are different from one another's. But we're all set apart as Christians. We are all set apart for service to God. That's what it means to be holy, to be called holy. It means to be set apart uh, for service to the Lord. We are all responsible to use the time and the wealth, and the resources, and the gifts and talents that the Lord has blessed us with to serve Him. I mean, did, did we give ourselves these gifts? These blessings? Uh, did we give ourselves the time that we have? All right, Psalm 139 says that God laid out the number of our days before us before we ever lived one of them. Right, that's that's in his hands. How much time we have? Right, what about our money? <clears throat> what about our money? Um, some people might say, well, you know, we make our money. Right, we make that. God didn't give that to me. I earned it. I earned it. Okay. Well, what do you do for a living? Um, let me ask you a question. Does it require eyes? Does it require uh, hands and feet? Does it require hearing or speech? Does it require a working brain? Most jobs do. I said most. Most jobs do. Um, you, you don't have ultimate control over these things. Right? You have nothing that wasn't given to you by God. We don't determine if tomorrow we're going to be alive or dead or whole or handicapped. God does. God does that. He gives it and He can take it away. And the same goes for our spiritual giftedness. Right? They are gifts of the Spirit. It's in the name. Uh, we don't determine that. We don't get to choose how we are gifted to serve God. He gives gifts as He wills. And Paul was chosen and set apart and called and gifted to serve the Lord as his apostle, right? He was a chosen instrument. Uh, God chose him for this purpose. He didn't choose it for himself. So considering this, you have to wonder if, uh, you know, taking, taking into account all of the hardship and obstacles that Paul had to face every day because of who God had called him to be. Um, all that the Lord showed him that he would have to suffer for his name, as the Lord told Ananias. Taking all that into consideration, do you think that Paul ever wished that the Lord had maybe chosen him for a different job? 
I know, I know I would have wished that if I had to endure what Paul endured. Um, but even if he did, even if that was the case, even if Paul ever longed for a just a, a comfortable life of service to the Lord, he never, never shirked the responsibility that God had given him. He never turned away from it. He walked boldly uh, with perseverance through all of those hardships. He performed all of his labor and endured all of that discomfort and pain because that was the lot that the Lord had laid upon him. That was what the Lord had called him to. He was determined to be faithful in his duty no matter what it cost him. But it's so important. It's so important for us to remember what Paul himself so often proclaimed and reminded others about his faithfulness and his labor. Um, in, in this same chapter of Colossians, in Colossians chapter 1, we read in verses 28 and 29, Paul says, we proclaim him, speaking of, speaking of himself and the other apostles, we proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to my own power. Because I'm so great and, 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 and I'm doing such a great job. Right? That's, that's not it. That's not it. Striving according. I do my labor, labor and I strive according to his power. To the power of God which mightily works within me. Paul gave all of the credit, all of the honor, all of the glory for all of his strength and labor and perseverance and success to God. Always. That's the only reason that, the only way that any of us can do anything worth doing. That's the only way that any of us can fulfill the calling that he has called us to. We can't do it in our own power and he doesn't ask us to. God does it. His grace, His power work in us. Uh, and that, that's also part of what Paul means when he says that his apostleship is by the will of God. Right? This is also part of what he's saying when he says an apostle by the will of God. As we read earlier uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said, I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. It's only by the grace of God that I am what I am. If Paul boasts, if he boasts in his accomplishments, he's going to boast in the Lord. And in the power of His grace, He's going to give God the glory. Um, and I just want to I want to finish this up uh, by quoting a, a, a great old expositor named Alexander McLaren, right? And he actually, in some of the stuff I was reading, he wrote a paraphrase of this statement. Right? This is a paraphrase. Uh, the way that, that he put it for, for Paul when Paul said, an apostle of Jesus Christ uh, by the will of God. Um, and McLaren said this, I speak to you because God has sent me. I'm not an apostle by my own will, nor by my own merit. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. I'm a poor sinner like yourselves. And it is a miracle of love and mercy that God should put his words into such lips. 
but he does speak through me. My words are neither mine nor learned from any other man but his. Never mind the cracked pipe through which the divine breath makes music. Just listen to the music. Now, uh, we'll, we'll briefly cover this last section of Colossians uh, chapter 1, verse 1. And Timothy, our brother. And Timothy, our brother. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And Timothy, our brother. And, and I'm afraid that this might sound up, end up seeming like sounding a little uh, incongruous here, like I, like I just sort of tacked it on at the end. Um, but I do, I want to finish up this verse today so we can move on to verse two next week. So uh, speaking of Timothy, first, we need to see that, that Paul is including Timothy in this introduction. In the from part, he's saying from Paul. And Timothy, uh, the way he phrases it seems to indicate that Paul wants to uh, present this letter as coming from both of them in some way. Uh, it's pretty likely, pretty likely that the reason for this is because Paul um, was using Timothy as sort of a, a secretary when writing this letter. And this was it was common practice. It was common practice uh, for men like Paul to dictate letters and other writings to a secretary uh, and have them write it down. So uh, he would speak what he wanted written, and the secretary would record it on paper. Uh, we, we know that Paul actually probably did this with several of his letters, if not all of them. Um, in the last, of, uh, the last verse of this book, in the last verse of Colossians, chapter 4, verse 18, we read this. It's the very last verse of the book. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. So this is the way that the, the, the letter ends. Okay. Um, we see similar statements to this in several of Paul's other letters. Uh, and what this shows, what it probably means, is that the rest of the letter except for this last verse, was written in Timothy's handwriting. Or whatever, whatever secretary that Paul was using for whatever letter it might be that he was writing. Um, but the last line, the last line, Paul would write in his own hand. In his own handwriting. So when he, when he writes that here, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. That would have been in Paul's handwriting. And it's Sort of like the way that we might take like a typewritten letter uh, and sign it, sign our name at the bottom, right? To distinguish it and to identify it as having actually come from us. And again, we see this in several of Paul's letters. And one very interesting case in 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 3, verse 17, this is towards the end of 2 Thessalonians. He says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. And this is a distinguishing mark in every letter. This is the way I write. So it seems kind of weird. Like, what, what's, he, what's he doing there? What's he saying there? Um, so it's actually, it's possible. And we can take some of this from some of the things that he said in some of his letters. It's possible that Paul was actually worried about being impersonated. Right? That his, that his enemies or, or some false teachers would try to send letters to the churches uh, pretending to be Paul. 
And this would have been a, a very serious concern for him. And it's, again, it's because Paul had apostolic authority. And so if a church thought that he had, he had commanded or taught something that he had not, then it, that could have done great harm within the churches. So Paul makes a point here to tell the Thessalonians, he's saying, this is me signing this letter. This is my practice. This is the way I do things. And look, this is my handwriting. Um, if you get a letter from me and you don't see something like this, then it ain't me. It ain't me. Don't listen to it. All right. Okay. So another purpose of Paul signing off on letters in this way would actually be to show his ownership of the content of these letters. Um, he's saying, these are my words, even though they're written by somebody else. This is me, right? They carry my apostolic authority. So what it all amounts to, if, if Paul did indeed use Timothy as a secretary to write out these words, um, Paul wrote the letters. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was Paul's words. And Timothy was just a pen. And, and Timothy, just to, just to finish up here, right? Timothy would have made an ideal secretary for Paul. Um, we could talk about Timothy for a while. Uh, he, he, he's uh, possibly Paul's most faithful and useful assistant and emissary and traveling companion. Timothy may have been closer to Paul than anyone else. Two of the books of our New Testament are letters that Paul wrote to Timothy while Timothy was looking after the church in Ephesus where Paul had left him in charge. Um, and 2 Timothy, the book of 2 Timothy, could very well have been one of the last letters that Paul ever wrote. Right? Paul, he, he, when he wrote the letter, he knew. He wrote it knowing that he would soon be facing execution in Rome. He knew his time was right around the corner. And Paul, uh, he reaches out to reassure Timothy and to encourage him uh, to, to continue on in the faith to continue on in faithfulness after he's gone. And in 1 Timothy, Paul actually refers to Timothy as my true son in the faith. Paul doesn't talk about anybody else like this. My true son in the faith. Paul probably trusted Timothy more than any of his other companions. He mentions Timothy in eight of his 13 letters of the New Testament. And in the book of Acts, which is the third longest book in the New Testament, uh, Acts records Timothy as being faithfully present with Paul through many of his journeys. It was like from the time that, that Paul uh, met Timothy, from the time that Timothy was converted by Paul's preaching, they were together unless Paul had sent Timothy off somewhere else to go do a job for him. Um, last bit on Timothy. Timothy, uh, Timothy was a young man when Paul knew him, probably late teens, early 20s when they met. He was born of a Greek father and a Jewish mother. Um, and Paul mentions in 2 Timothy that both Timothy's mother and grandmother had a good and uh, a strong and genuine faith. Paul knew Timothy's mother and grandmother. And in 2 Timothy 3.15, he mentions, right? So he mentions the faith of Timothy's mother and grandmother. And then in uh, chapter 3, verse 15, he mentions that Timothy had been taught and trained by these faithful ladies in the Old Testament. 
which Paul calls the sacred writings, which are able to give the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So the faith of these two godly women caused them to train Timothy up in the sure word of God so that he would be able to recognize the Messiah when he came, when he arrived. And they all, both, both Timothy and his mother and grandmother, all finally heard of that Messiah, heard the truth of who that Messiah was and believed his gospel through the preaching and teaching of Paul in one of his journeys. And because of these ladies' prayers and, and, and teaching, Timothy became a faithful follower of Christ who served eagerly and was used powerfully in the building up of the New Testament church. And we know his name today. And we all owe the Lord a debt of gratitude for Timothy's work and for the work he did in and through him. So just saying this last bit is an encouragement to the parents. Let us all, let us all as parents be diligent to bless our children in the way that Timothy's mother and grandmother blessed him and blessed all of us. Um, teach them, in the, bring them up in the faith, teach them the word so that they might come to recognize the Messiah and to serve Christ for the good of his kingdom and all who come after. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you, Lord. We thank you for these men and women that we read about in Scripture, Lord. We thank you for Paul. We thank you for Timothy. Lord, we thank you, Father, that you saw fit to reveal your grace to them, to reveal your truth to them, to give them the power and the authority and the giftedness, Lord, that they needed to speak forth your word and your truth. Lord, we thank you that they were faithful to establish your church, to inscripturate your word so that we could have it today, Lord, so that we could enjoy fellowship and truth and in spirit today. Lord, help us not to take for granted. Father, we tend to think, we tend to neglect the idea, Lord, tend to neglect the truth that you have been working in your people since the beginning of time, Father, that you have revealed truth to your people, that you've given insight, that you've given gifts, Father, that you brought forth service to yourself. Lord, help us not to forget these, these men and women, Lord, these people. Help us not to forget the apostles who built the foundation. Help us not to forget the faithful witnesses and those who helped them. Help us not to forget the brothers and sisters, Lord, since the time of the New Testament, who've given their lives to bring this foundation down to us, to bring this word down to us. Lord, and help us to serve in our lives as well. Help us to work for the good of your kingdom and for the good of those who will come after us, Lord. Help us to serve you faithfully. Help us to fulfill the calling 
for which you've called us and chosen us. And help us to give you all of the glory for it and to rely completely upon your grace and strength to do it. And we love you, Lord, and we thank you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.